Welcome to the Conquer Your Draft Podcast, where fantasy champions are made. Welcome back to the Conquer Your Draft Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Josh, and with me as always is Mike. How you doing, Mike? Excited to be back. I've enjoyed uh, a nice little break, but we're back, and it's my favorite time of year because the uh, NFL offseason's in full swing, and there's so much going on, and I love it. Yep, a bit of a longer break than we were expecting, since uh, all the technology in your life decided to give up on itself. Yeah, I mean, it was Um, was a rough couple of weeks. No phone, no computer, and then I got sick, and it all happened right in a row, so... We're back. <laughs> We're here. We're back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we have a lot to catch up on. So uh, today's format's going to be a little different than it usually is because we're going to start with fan questions because we want to make sure that we get to all of them because there's quite a few of you today. And then we're going to spend the rest of the episode going over all the news that's happened in the uh, three weeks that we've been gone. And we are still planning to do our quarterback review of this past fantasy football season. So that will be an episode that comes out later on. Uh, So don't worry, we didn't forget about that. But with everything that's happening right now and all the news that's been breaking over the past few weeks, we thought we should address that now while it's all still fresh. Uh, So, Mike, you want to get us started with those questions? All right, let's go into it. Um, First, so this first question here um, was uh, obviously we've been off for a bit. So some of these are out of date. We're going to read them anyway, but we understand that some of these questions were asked before some of the recent news. So Allison uh, asked a question about Alan Lazard and said, could his possible landing spot impact his fantasy rankings at all? Is Lazard the type of player that you think would excel in a completely different system? And we now know that he's going to be a New York jet. So we kind of know where he's going to land, but still Josh, we could still talk about, possible landing places and how that impacts players. So how do you think Lazard's going to do in New York? And how do you think it affects his fantasy rankings? Well, I I, I think that we're going to see more of the same with Alan Lazard going to the Jets, because I think we learned this past season, you know, he doesn't have what it takes to establish himself as like the number one guy, like that go-to guy. Um, and he's going to a team that has Garrett Wilson, who did show that he could establish himself, uh, even with the just absolute travesty of quarterback play the Jets had last uh, season. <laughs> so yeah. I, I I think that he should do fine, especially, you know, as things stand right now, it looks like Aaron Rodgers' old nipples wants to be there. So that would help him with the move and being in a new offense because he's with that familiar uh, quarterback that he's developed chemistry with. But I don't think that we're going to see any better than we did last year, because I think Garrett Wilson is still going to be the guy where he goes. Um, maybe if he had gone to a different team and, you know, they just truly had no other option, you know, like Kansas city might've been interesting because they don't really have anybody. Um to throw the ball to like Patrick Mahomes, you're just slinging it everywhere because he didn't have that guy. Like he used to have with Tyree kill, right? Like Travis Kelsey was the main guy. Yeah. Um, So like that could have been an interesting spot for Alan Lazard because that would have given him, I guess a a second chance at proving if he could take that step forward and become like the team's number one wide receiver. But uh, I I don't think we're going to see that now with the jets. 
Yeah, I mean, some players are what they are. Like, to get to kind of, I think, the core of what Allison's asking, it's, you know, does, does it matter where a player is? And for some players, it might. Like, we've seen players be re, re, you know, re-energized by going to somewhere new. But I don't know. Like, Lazard just had his opportunity to be a number one and, and didn't really take advantage of it. So he's really... Like with the Jets, he like you're saying, he's probably their number two receiver, right? Like I don't have their depth chart in front of me, but he's probably their number two receiver. They're thinking it's him and Wilson are your kind of two receivers. Yeah. Now, in like the more broader strokes of of fantasy football, uh, free agency and trades. I actually I went and did some research over the past this past season and uh, the twenty twenty one season. And uh, basically what it what it boils down to, if you're going to look at and see a change in someone's fantasy value, it comes down to basically two things, the opportunity that they're leaving and the opportunity that they're approaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and this a second factor that was involved is what kind of a player are they? You know, because elite players are going to be elite. It doesn't matter where they go, what offense they're going to go into. They're going to be amazing. You know, like we've got... Uh, when Stefan Diggs left, uh, AJ Brown, Devontae Adams, like we didn't see anything change for them. They were, they went from being the number one where they were to the number one where they ended up and they produced. But where you see the biggest change is in those wide receiver twos, running back twos, you know, like those guys who are good, not great. That's where we see the most fantasy swing because they either take a step forward and they go from good to great or they go from good to bad. Mm. And I actually have some, some examples. So from this past free agency season, we had chase Edmonds. So he spent the pre the previous two seasons before this past one with the Cardinals. Uh, there he was basically uh, the RB two. He was responsible for like third down work and he was the pass catching back, you know? So, you know, he wasn't pounding the rock, multiple times a game, but he had his, his role. Mm. And uh, in those two seasons, he averaged 8.8 and 10.2 fantasy points a game. And that's in half point PPR. This past off season, he signed with the Dolphins and then he got traded after eight weeks because it was not working out for him. He was only averaging five and a half points per game with the Dolphins. And then it dropped even worse to 4.3 points with the Broncos. And he was, he had a total of 121 fantasy points with the Cardinals dropped down to 66 this past year. Mm. So that that's kind of where the type of player it is that comes in because by all metrics, he went from a limited opportunity to a wide open opportunity to be the Dolphins every down back and like be the guy. And it didn't happen. We saw that right away. I think by week two, we saw that he wasn't going to be that guy. And then I think they realized they, misfired in free agency and just try to recoup their losses as best as they could. So some guys, like you said, we know what they are and what they're good at. And that's what they need to stay as because then they're dependable for fantasy. You know, like if, if Chase Edmonds would stay with the Cardinals and that's all he was doing, he was still getting you 10 points a game. He's not going to win you your game, but he's certainly not going to lose you your matchup. Uh, another example that we have from this past season is Christian Kirk. He also was on the Cardinals, and he left to go sign with a new team. He went to the Jaguars. Mm-hmm. So he actually posted his best fantasy football season of his career. So he he jumped up to 11, just shy of 12 points a game and just shy of 200 total points 
in uh, the four years previously with the Cardinals, his best points per game average was just over 10 and his best finish was 169. So we saw a pretty significant jump there with the change of scenery. Um, And even then that is really not the, I guess the, the ceiling that he could have hit because Evan Ingram became such a dominant factor for the Jaguars down the road. So if that hadn't happened, Kirk would have remained the guy and who knows what his points would have been. But unfortunately for him, he started to lose some of that work to Evan Ingram because he started really taking off. And we talked about Evan Ingram in the tight end episode. He finished uh, the tight end six on the year and half point scoring. Mm -hmm. Right. And uh, so he was another one. He left from the Giants, joined the Jaguars this year. So it, it, it depends on who you are and what you're working with. You know, Christian Kirk was dealing with DeAndre Hopkins for uh, targets. Then he went to uh, the Jaguars. Evan Ingram was on the Giants who were not throwing him the ball very much to the Jaguars where they decided they were going to hyper target him. Meanwhile, Chase Edmonds, he went from being really good at one specific role and just bit off a bit too much more than he could chew in Miami and it backfired. And now, He's been cut by two teams since then. <laughs> not not working out for him. Uh, no. Yeah, and it's it, like it's so interesting to bring up those stats because it's it can be just literally night and day. Like a player in that scenario is just you know they just don't for whatever reason it either works or it just doesn't, and you see them fall flat on their face. Yep, yeah, absolutely. So, Allison, I guess the best thing that I can say to you is. If it's an elite player, don't worry about where they're going. They're going to do fine. If it's a good middle-of-the-pack player, those are the ones that you want to watch because they are going to swing. They're not going to stay where they are. And then you just got to make your decision if you think they're going to swing up and you're going to get great value because they're going to end up like a Christian Kirk or an Evan Ingram, or you got to bail out and bail out early if you think that they're going to swing the other way and end up like Chase Edmonds. Does it make a difference to you to see like now that we know nipples is going there too. And I mean, Lazard just had a whole year with Rogers as his quarterback. And again, we saw him not take advantage of anything. We obviously realize that there's other weapons of the jets. Like, does it really make a difference in your mind that Rogers is going with them and they're both going to be a New York jet? Like, does that change anything for Lazard where you would rank him? For fantasy, no. For Lazard, like the actual NFL player, I think it will make a difference and make it a lot more of a smoother transition. Um, But in terms of fantasy performance, I don't really see it making very much of a difference at all. Um, Especially because of Garrett Wilson. Yeah, I think that makes perfect sense. Uh, Let's move on to the next question here. Um, This is from Ryan, I think. Please do correct me. If that is incorrect, but I believe it is Ryan. Um, is Jordan Love on your radar at all for next season? And if so, how high would you want to rank him, knowing that he's probably taking over the starting position with Green Bay? Jordan Love, I'm not even looking to have on my radar until after <laughs> the NFL draft. Right. Uh, because I, I wouldn't put it past the Packers to, to do something weird and draft another quarterback or, or trade for someone, um, or for Aaron Rodgers to just implode this entire 
this entire trade talk and then return to the Packers anyways. So uh, I'm I'm holding off on on Jordan Love until we get a bit more of clarity. Like Aaron Rodgers has left for sure. The draft has gone by and they haven't drafted anyone. Um, but then at that point, I'm not overly familiar with um, with Jordan Love's athletic ability. You know, like I I'm just trying to go off the top of my head. I I, I feel like he's more of a pocket passer, kind of like Aaron Rodgers. So I I don't think that that's going to be great for fantasy because this is going to be his first time coming at it. So there's going to be a learning curve. I mean, he's not a rookie, but by all by all means, he kind of is in terms of playing a full season, right? Yeah. So he's going to have a learning curve because it's playing in the NFL is in the game versus, you know, in practice is very different. And if you don't have that natural running ability, then it's a lot harder to get fantasy points consistently. You know what I mean? Like if, if he was more of like a Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, then I would say he's worth a, he's worth a bit of a Hail Mary dart throw at, towards the end of your draft, you know, cause maybe he does just hit the ground running and he's impossible to tackle kind of a thing. But, and maybe he is, I, I could be wrong. I'm again, like I said, I'm just going off my memory here, but I feel like he was more of a pocket passer type. And as a rookie, that's very hard to do successfully. You know, like I think Justin Herbert was the last one that we saw who kind of pulled that off. Um, all the other rookies that we've seen do well have been more of the Lamar, Kyler, Josh Allen, like running type. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't know much about uh, him, to be honest. So I, yeah, I don't remember either. Um, I mean, it'll be interesting to see, like you're saying, what they do with the draft or do they, do they bring in someone to compete with love? that position like you never know um okay next question here um comes from adam who wants to know if it's is it possible to get some kind of rookie breakdown on your podcast often i stay away from rookies each year for fantasy i wait until uh the season starts to see how they do and pick some up on the waiver wire but i would love to know um how some of them ended up doing this season and if it is ever even useful to draft rookies right off the bat, or should you just wait to see how they do as the season begins? Yeah, we can absolutely do a a rookie review for this past season. Uh, Like I said, at the, the start of the podcast, we do still have to do the quarterback review but we can certainly do a a rookie one uh, because there were some rookies who did perform well this year, like, like Garrett Wilson. Um, And there were other ones who, you know, we expected a lot and it blew up in our faces. Mm -hmm. So that, that certainly would be a worthwhile to take a bit of a deep dive there. Um, As for your second part of your question, I I think it is worthwhile to, um, to, to take a swing for a rookie, but you don't want to do it too early you know certain certain rookies are always going to get a lot of hype and and sometimes it's deserved sometimes it isn't but at the end of the day you know if you're spending a first couple of round draft pick on a rookie you're you're just swinging at the unknown we don't know what that's going to look like in the nfl right yeah versus you could pick up someone at that same first four round range who you know is going to deliver because they've delivered for the past five, six years or what, whatever. Um, so I think there is a time and a place, but for me, I tend to swing, you know, li- mid to late rounds in the draft. 
because then I've got that core group of players I can depend on. And then if the rookie works out, perfect. I got him for a steal. If he doesn't work out, I didn't absolutely implode my team by taking that pick. Um, and I, I think it also depends on th- where the rookie ends up going in the uh, in the draft. Because if they go to a team, you know, like they're competing for the spot. Well, odds are you're doing your draft before. Ideally, you're doing it towards the end of preseason. So you're getting a bit of a feel, but you're doing it before the season starts. So at the end of the day, he might lose that job and not be the starter. Now you've just got a backup on your bench all year, right? Versus a guy like, Damian Pierce last year, he went to the Texans and he became the starter. Like that became known pretty much right away. And he did great for the first, I think it was the first half of the season. So that was an investment that paid off. If you took him in one of those later mid to late rounds. Um, but if you took him in like a top three round, well then yeah, it worked out for you, but not as good as those other elite options are. So To summarize, yeah, I think it is worthwhile to take a swing on rookies, but really look at them, see where they're going, what the team's depth chart is looking like, and then make that educated guess and try to get them at a value. Don't don't get sucked into the hype that always happens during the offseason, you know, team because teams aren't putting out pieces saying, you know, we hate this guy. This guy sucks. They're always putting out pieces that say this guy's amazing. This like the things this guy's doing on the field. That's all well and good, but until they come out and officially name him as the number one starter, it all means nothing. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, next question comes from Wright B. Uh, Daniel Jones is a really interesting quarterback um, that you guys haven't really talked a lot about, aside from calling him Danny Dimes. Would you say he <laughs> isn't worth drafting and is it better to just add from waivers if you need him during the year? Can you name 15 quarterbacks who you would say are better than Daniel Jones, or would he make it into a top 15 list? So that comes from right B. I think we've mentioned him. Danny, we didn't give him that name, by the way. Danny Dimes is his nickname. That's yeah, that is from name. that's from the NFL. Yeah. Uh, that That's his nickname there. Let's just clear that uh, up right off the bat. Yeah. We don't yeah. do nicknames like we give one guy nipples and the next guy Danny Dimes. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> we're 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 consistent with our nicknaming on this show. Um, Danny Dimes is interesting because he's kind of like Kirk Cousins in the fact that you never know what you're gonna get. Um, I think he's a bit more athletic version of Kirk Cousins, maybe, but Kirk Cousins seems to be the more uh, seems to be the more reliable of the two because of the weapons he has. Yeah, Daniel he's got Jones a bit of a better offense around him. Yeah, Daniel Jones doesn't really have a great receiving core. Um, he has Saquon Barkley, but that doesn't really help him for like, for him for fantasy, right? So I, he is not a top 15 quarterback for me personally. He's just outside of it. He's in that 16, 17 range. Like, he's, he's close. He's not someone I would draft. Um, he I would draft him if I really wanted a second quarterback on my team. Um, and I didn't feel like there was anything that would be better on my, on the waivers or, you know, I might scoop him up week one waiver wire to put him on my bench for when my, my actual quarterback got hurt or had his bye week. And then I'd be like, okay, I'll roll with Danny dimes. 
uh, but I wouldn't be drafting him to be my starter by, by any means. Um, he's, he's around 16 or 17 for me. So I would be looking towards one of those top 10 that I would want as my, my starter. Where does he fall for you, Mike? Yeah, maybe around the same. Um, like I personally am one of those who would rank, um, cousins a little bit ahead of him um just because of the weapons and just i've i've seen that kind of consistency there um i would say the giants are getting better i think they will continue to to be better as a team but i don't know if that's really going to translate into a lot of fantasy points based on the way they play um so yeah maybe around the same range i definitely could name 15 quarterbacks i'd want before daniel jones um, and I don't, I kind of agree with what you said about like, if you really want a second quarterback on your team, like maybe he's one of the last picks in your draft. But I, I think Daniel Jones is the type of quarterback who's always going to be on waivers. Who's probably not going to get picked in the draft. And if he is, he gets dumped eventually because people need the space on their bench for other things. So yeah, you could pick him up for the matchup sake, but I don't know if he's anything other than. Oh, he might be a good option for a matchup. Um, other than that, I I don't know off the top of my head like a number, but I would say the 16, 17, 18 range is probably uh, around where I would place him. There would be a conversation for top 20. Like he, he's in that conversation. I also would Yeah, be for me, he's definitely in he the top 20. 20. <laughs> I don't know. If no, me, for- like I would be surprised if he ended up 20. Like it's... I don't know. There's a couple people that, especially this year, there's a few names that hopefully we get a chance to talk about today that I'm really, I'm really <laughs> fascinated about how they're going to do. Yeah, that's fair. And you know what? Hey, depending on how the rest of the offseason goes and how the draft goes, maybe he might creep up because the Giants get him some weapons, you know? They, uh, yeah, they we'll could. Talk, they... We, we might touch on it later, but they, they did keep Saquon. So they didn't keep Saquon. Um, and just I don't know if this is on your list, but just today, I mean, this is a depth piece, but they added uh Campbell from the Colts into their receiving core. So yeah, I mean they're trying I don't think to that's do gonna stuff. help them. Probably not, but I mean they're trying to do stuff. I think they to me, with with Barkley coming back, they're still missing that big receiving piece. If they had well, something that was exciting in there. They, they might have a, a better chance. You know what? I actually, I might go back and, and look because they actually they did get Darren Waller. So they have a big name tight end now. And I see it's hard because he, he doesn't target the tight end that much. So no. I'm assuming that would change with Darren Waller. Cause Darren Waller is a very, very good tight end. Um, so if, if he's able to target him kind of like a Mahomes Kelsey situation, Daniel Jones could turn out to be really good. Like yeah. he, he could skyrocket in value, really. But everything that we've seen from them so far is that he doesn't throw it to the tight end that much. Or if he does in preseason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if he does do it, it's usually the shorter throws, right? That are only worth yeah. like four or five yards. So yeah, that. You know what? That's something I'm going to keep an eye on because he might he might move up based on that. But I'm going to have to see use, it on the field. Like the thing about Jones is he he is very mobile, and he's more mobile than like for example, we're just going to compare to Cousins than Cousins is. I just he find is, he's yeah. so he's so inconsistent. Where there are times where Jones will do great things 
with his legs and have a pretty good game and low mistake football, but then he doesn't generally follow it up. Like he, I, I can't, again, off the top of my head, I'm just remembering from seeing either other people have him or just looking at stats. Yeah, he'll, he can get you a 20-plus fantasy point game, but then follows it up with like an eight, which yeah. isn't helpful. So, yeah, yeah he's, he's an interesting one. And this, this offseason for the Giants, I think, is a big one. Like if they, if they can add some pieces and work off the success they just had, like that would be pretty solid. Absolutely. Uh, next question comes from Benji, um, who wants to know what kind of rankings, lists, or draft coverage can we expect from this podcast? Now, I don't know, Benji, if you're referring to the NFL draft or the fantasy draft. So why don't we just answer both? <laughs> so just to cover our bases, what are our plans for the NFL draft and also for fantasy football draft time? For the NFL draft, we'll probably look at who's who ends up going where and just kind of a, a bit of minor analysis on, you know, what the situation is going to be like, what we could potentially expect from them, you know, like. And definitely any trades that happen on draft day or. One Absolutely. Yeah. The draft. Like there's a couple we'll talk today that impact. Yeah. The draft. Yeah. Uh, and then in terms of like rankings and draft advice for your fantasy draft, we're going to Mike and I both are going to be publishing uh, a list per position of our personal rankings. Um, and then we'll be doing at least one, if not two sessions on draft strategy, draft tips, draft do's and don'ts. Um, probably either probably before the preseason or just at the start of preseason. Cause we want you guys to have that information. I know some people like to draft before preseason. If you're listening, don't do that because you are going to draft someone who's going to get a season ending entry in preseason. So yeah. try, try to draft at the end of preseason. Uh, but that's what you can expect for the fantasy draft. And then, yeah, it'll, it, for the NFL draft, it'll just be a bit of a minor analysis because at this point it's still just guesswork. Like I said, until we get into that preseason and see what the actual depth chart looks like, you know, it makes no difference where Bijan Robinson ends up if he's not going to be on the field. Uh, yeah, we're not pro scouts. We're not going to be breaking down college tape uh, on this podcast. But I think you can. I think you can assume that pretty much from the summer, like up until the fall, every week on the podcast, we're going to be doing something that is directly related to helping you out with your draft, right? Like Absolutely. we're going to be talking about it. We're going to do mock drafts. We're both going to have lists. We're going to argue. That's always fun. We're going to disagree on lists. I've already started on my lists. You know, I'm doing oh, my research every day. I'm, I'm, you know, reading, reading the books, watching the shows, giving my thoughts, <laughs> uh, doing all the things. So just so you can lose in the championship again. Because something that has never happened in NFL history will happen again during our championship week. It's because bad things happen in threes, and I've already had two in a row. So I would not be surprised at all. Not surprised. Not even, like, that mad. I would just be like, this is the way it is. If the same thing happens this year where I make it to the fantasy football Super Bowl and I lose, and it comes down to some game where a rocket ship that we're trying to launch to Mars crashes into the stadium. Uh, and uh, no one's hurt though. Cause you know, 
keep it all light and everyone's just like oh we gotta cancel the game um and we won't cancel and we won't count the points and then i lose it'll be something <laughs> or nipple will finally just lose it and uh you know blue of earth will come and try to like clean his chakra and he'll just freak out and walk up walk away and you know i don't know it's gonna be something you know you know what my favorite part of that stra- uh, scenario is is that Which... that would imply that nipples was on your fantasy team or someone that maybe nipples throws to oh, okay yeah i, no, I think I'm you're not... gonna draft nipples this year I'm not drafting nipples. There's there's no scenario where I would draft <laughs> nipples. Um, but right. there there's a question actually about that. We'll get to that last. Um, so Kelsey, right. next question. Kelsey uh, wants to know: Do you think the NFL fantasy should change to include defensive players and not just team defenses? I, for one, am starting to get to know defensive players a lot more. They're getting a lot more uh, of the spotlight during the year, and the NFL has done a much better job of introducing us to defensive players. Do you think it ever would make sense to draft uh, some defensive players, maybe adding a few per position area, as opposed to just drafting team defense, or do you think that would get too complex? Also, side note, do you care about kickers? Because I don't. That's from Kelsey. Um, I'm going to start uh, at the back and work my way to the front of that question. Uh, so for kickers... There was a lot in that question. <laughs> yeah, there, there was a lot. Um, for kickers, I think that they're overpowered. Uh, because if you get if you go up against somebody who kicks 250-yard field goals, depending on your league's format, like scoring format, that could have just earned them anywhere from 10 to 13 or 14 points. Um, depending on what the yardage was on those kicks. That's really hard to overcome if you're in a head-to-head matchup and your kicker's just kicking extra points. So I think kickers have a place in fantasy football because they have a place in football. But I think maybe their their scoring should be adjusted because there's nothing worse than losing because one kicker decided to kick four 50-yard field goals one game because their offense could do nothing other than get within that long shot field goal range. Um, outside of that, though, I also think it's almost impossible to predict with kickers. Like, yeah, yeah. ones on the good <laughs> I was offense just about are to say that. How do you predict yeah. with a kicker? <laughs> yeah, you, you I, like you can really deep dive into it if you want. You know, like you want an offense that's good, not great, so they're getting down the field, but they're not always scoring touchdowns. But then you got to look at you know, are they playing indoors or outdoors? Are they playing? Uh, are they playing in good weather? Are they playing in bad weather? Is it like towards the end of the season? Is this a game like doesn't really matter if they win or lose? Or are they going to be just scoring touchdowns left, right, and center? Because they need to ensure they win this game, right? Um, so, yeah, I think they do have a place. But I think it should be it should be reeled in. Because you shouldn't be losing your game just because one guy kicked five field goals. Yeah, um, and I like, I, I've always looked at kickers as... Um, there are four or five worth thinking about. And then otherwise I just take the best available. Like while I'm drafting, there's a handful of names that if I can get that kicker and they're available and I, I'll do it. Like I'll, I'll go out of my way to make sure I get them. But beyond that very short list, they're pretty much all the same to me. And I'd like, and I've just, I've never lost anything because of a kicker. And I don't think I've really ever won anything because of a kicker. So I think that's why I have such a meh opinion about them is 
they're just all about even for me. And there's a handful that are worth maybe drafting a kicker a round or two earlier than, than you would anticipate, but not much more than a couple. Yeah. And as for the defensive players, so I'm not entirely sure I, I understand the question. If you're referring to like the NFL's fantasy app itself or just in general, um, because there there are actually leagues that do exactly what you're talking about, Kelsey. Um, they're called IDP leagues or independent defensive player leagues um, or individual, sorry, defensive player leagues. So in those leagues, you do draft someone on defense, you know, like you, you would be drafting like uh, linebackers, you know, like my mind keeps going to Bobby Wagner for some reason, even though he's definitely not someone I would be direct. He's not someone I would be drafting if I was doing it. Yeah. I don't know why Bobby Wagner is popping into my head. Um, There's a, there's a league dedicated to just drafting Bobby Wagner. That's really what you want. It's out there. Yeah, if if that's what you want, then that's what you're gonna get. But you know, like like you can draft Watt, you can draft like Miles Jack, you could draft uh, Poyer, you know, whoever you want. Like you're you're probably looking at wanting a linebacker or a DB for the potential at interceptions and touchdowns um, or fumble recoveries, or you might want like a a really good defensive end because they're getting you sacks, right? Um, but but there is a whole series of leagues. I don't know if the NFL's fantasy football app has that as an option or not. I've never looked into it. Um, but there are definitely fantasy platforms out there and uh, fantasy rankings for those IDP players. So you, if, if that is something that you're interested in, you can certainly find a league where you can do that. Uh, they aren't as popular. I do know that because you're... It's kind of like having that kicker, you know, like, yeah, the team might have a good defense, but is that one player really going to be the one who, who gets you the points? Um, yeah. So, and I mean, that's, so, that's a really good question. Like the way I read this question, Josh, is that Kelsey's asking, would you like, do you think it's high time that, yeah, the NFL official fantasy app added positions per defensive area, she's saying. So like you draft one linebacker, one defensive lineman, one defensive back, which would probably include your safeties and corners and be like, okay, now you have three additional players on your team as opposed to a defense. Like you take the defense out and you put three players that you can start each week. And then your bench might have to expand to have some backup defensive players. And if you think that that's a route, they should go. Uh, Well, I mean, I think the way it is right now is, is fine because your league has the option of which one you want to play. Right. You can either do it. Everyone drafts a team's defense, or you set your league settings that you're you're drafting individual players. So it's well, really up to you. We should know you could do that. Yeah, yeah, it's entirely up to you. I I don't know for sure if the NFL fantasy app allows you to do that or not. I've never gone That's looking. Yeah, um, I've never I've never looked for it either because I've never I've never had an issue with it. But I, I mean, that would be interesting if they did. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know if the NFL fantasy app allows you to make that change or not. I think I'm, I'm like you, Josh, I never looked because I just, for defenses, I was kind of like, okay with it because defenses are also so such big units and work so well as a unit. It's always made sense for me to, to see them, uh, scored as one, but it, it would be kind of interesting to have individual defensive players. I just don't know how many points they're going to get you. 
<laughs> like that's just yeah. Be, you know? And now typically I, I do think that you, you get, um, I think you get like six or eight slots. Like it's not like you just get one guy, mm, yeah. um, but then you've got, you're probably getting six or eight guys from different teams. Right. So, right. Right. Um, but yeah, like th- you can set your league to that setting if you want. It's just entirely up to do you and your league mates want to go down that road or not? Because it certainly is easier to just pick one defense and stick with it, right? Because then all you need to know is, like, overall, is this defense good or not? Versus, you know, how often is the team, you know, blitzing with this specific linebacker or using this type of coverage for this safety, you know what I mean? It's a bit more of a deep dive into the stats and the defensive scheming if you want to go with the individual player route. But by no means is that, uh, like, would you be alone in, in going that road? So... If if that interests you, Kelsey, I'm sure you could find just some random league to join that and kind of dip your toes into it to see if if that's for you or not. And uh, if you do, write back and let us know how it works out. And I will, because I'm the commissioner of our league. As soon, as soon as it activates, I promise I will also look. And if I find if it can do that, Kelsey, we'll report it on here to let you know. Um, okay, last fan question. It's coming from Jason G, who writes, is there somewhere Aaron Rodgers could land that would stop Mike from calling him nipples? Well, Mike, is there? Uh, yeah, like like he he could land in the ground. Okay. He could die. What does that mean? Well, yeah. that's not nice. No, I'm saying that's what no, I'm saying if he say died, that. if he died, I would stop calling him nipples. That's what I'm saying, Jeez, which is the nice thing to do. It wouldn't be nice if he was dead and I continued to call him nipples. No, no, no. I'm saying that, that I'm, I'm actually taking the high road. I'm saying to okay. honor someone who's passed away. I don't believe when someone passed away, now it's time to like make fun of them. and do Like I, out of respect, I, that, that's, that would be the place he could land where I would be like, okay, I'm not going to call him nipples anymore, obviously, because he's dead. So, in other words, it doesn't matter what team he's going to, you're still going to call him nipples. So long as he continues to draw breath through whatever meditation he uses to breathe, uh, obviously he doesn't breathe oxygen or, or anything that we breathe. So whatever he does in his gas chambers, yeah, there's nowhere he can go. I mean, we know he's well, probably going to be What if he jet, retired? But... What if he just retired? I'd still call him nipples. You think he's staying out of the limelight? Did you see his interview? <laughs> like, he loves to hear himself yes. talk. He goes on this guy's podcast every week. The guy loves the sound of his own voice. He's so We're going to talk about that, actually. Good, because he's like, he loves being talked about. There's no way he would stay out of the limelight. He would figure out a way, even in retirement, to make it all about him. He's going to figure out how to do it. Um, he, he needs that kind of reassurance from the public. It's something that a lot of people who are famous end up like craving and requiring. He's one of those people. So no, he's nipples because he's done a lot of weird things that clearly don't work. And he's made a big (laughs) point to shame the rest of us for not doing or believing the things that he says. He's an uneducated slob named nipples and that's it. Once he's dead, I will stop out of respect because I don't do that. That's it. That's the answer to the question. So passionate. So passionate. Thank you 
to chase the question. <laughs> Thank you to everybody for all your questions. It was really nice for us to go away on the break and to come back and see a bunch of questions from people. Like that was really awesome. So yes, we, we hope that you'll continue to ask us questions through social media, through the website, however you wish to contact us. It would be great to hear from you. Absolutely. Yeah. It uh, absolutely makes it worthwhile coming on here and, and listening to Mike talk for an hour. Uh, because I know you guys are listening and are are involved and asking questions like that. So thank you for reminding me why I listen to Mike's rants about nipples. I bring him up only when he comes up naturally. I don't look to bring him up. I want to talk about fantasy football, but the guy keeps having things for us to talk about because that's what he wants. He wants us talking about him because he, you know, gets some sort of pleasure out of it. I don't know. I don't understand it. I'm not nipples. Well, we're going to keep talking about him and giving him what he wants. Uh, so obviously, as we've already talked about so far, it does look like he is going to play for the Jets. Um, there, there's nothing set in stone yet uh, as of today, March 16th. So, I mean, that could change by tomorrow. We'll see. But uh, speaking of him going on that podcast, did you did you see the text that he sent to uh, Adam Schefter? I sure did. Yeah. <laughs> So if, if for any of you who don't know what we're talking about, uh, it appears that Adam Schefter, who's uh, a very well-known, well-respected uh, NFL reporter, it seems like somehow he got Aaron Rodgers' number and tried to confirm with them, you know, like, are you going to the Jets? What's the deal here? And Aaron Rodgers' uh, text back was, lose my number, good try, though. And he seemed very proud of himself in that uh, in the Pat McAfee show uh, to uh, for that comeback. Um, I I I did want to get your reaction to it because it, it was annoying to me the way that he was talking about it, like just how rude it was. Um, and I don't have anywhere near the hatred for him that you do. So, <laughs> well, listen. I mean, it's. Unfortunately, my reaction is probably going to be a disappointment to you, Josh, because I I expect nothing less at this point. Like when when you're dealing with a teenager, you don't you you just start to have a certain level of expectation, and that's all it was. He it, like what are we in high school again? Like that's not even a good comeback. It's not even original. Like that's just like I I have had so many mainly women text me worse things than that to get me to stop talking to them. I'm like, are you kidding me? That's not even clever. Like I've literally had in person, a woman say something to me that was so awful, but so good that I complimented them on how witty that was, even though it was a horrific thing that they said to me. I'm like, that deserves at least a level of recognition that that was witty of you. And it was. Nipples, this doesn't even come close. Like that was that was a stupid, childish thing. You don't want to text, just don't text back. But he can't. See, that's the thing, Josh. He can't. See, the way yeah. the way the the as adults, the way like for example, I'll use me as an example. So it's not like I'm ragging on people. Me as a teenager versus now. Me as a teenager, someone texts me something I don't like. I text them back so they know. They know that I now you know that I don't like what you said. Now you know that I'm mad at you. Now you know this. The adult thing, just don't answer. Then you get the actual upper hand. I don't need you to know in my adult life how how I you know I feel about you or or whatever or you know lose my number. Just block the number and don't respond. 
Why would you even text back if, if you're just going to say that? You're going out of your way to be rude because that's the type of person that you are. And you just want the attention that doing that is going to bring. So, yeah, he's he's a loser. Like, what, I, what, what can I say? He's a loser who has some talent left, who might have a couple of good years of football left in him, but he's never going to be what he what he was. I, I just don't think that. So, yeah, it was a it was a dumb comment. It was rude. It was uncalled for. If you don't want to text someone, just don't text them back. There you go. There you go. Some life advice from Mike. <laughs> um, so we have a lot of, of news to try to recap, and we'll, we'll get through as much as we can on today's episode, but we're certainly going to have to spend another episode talking about uh, all the other news, because I'm sure between now and next week when we record, there's going to be even more. So the Eagles coaching staff was plundered. Uh, yeah. Jonathan Gannon, who is the Eagles defensive coordinator, is now going to be the head coach for the Arizona Cardinals. Um, A bit of displeasure there that they're getting a defensive minded head coach. Um, I think a lot of fans there wanted to see more of an offensive kind of a guy. Yeah. Um, I can't blame them, though. Like, I I can understand their initial reaction. I mean, that, like, Cliff Kingsbury was more of an offensive kind of guy too, mm-hmm. and that didn't sure. work out for them. So no, it's true. Might... I guess just with Kyler Murray, like you know, you have this yeah. weapon, you want that to be successful. And like to me, like this is one of the coaching jobs I wouldn't want because you're walking into no. a mess. I mean, who's who's joking? Who I would take it in, in a heartbeat because it's so much money. But really, if you're if you have your choice, I don't know if this is the one I'd want. Like it's a bit of a mess there. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, speaking of, of messes, uh, the Colts hired the Eagles <laughs> offensive coordinator, Shane Steichen, to be another, their head coach. Another, another mess is the Colts. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> the Eagles coaching staff is just leaving uh, in droves to go and become head coaches, which I mean, great for them. I mean, they've certainly oh, earned sure. it with how the Eagles have performed. Of course. Um, it does raise questions, you know, like, are the Eagles going to be the same Eagles this coming season uh, strong on both sides of the ball, you know, like, is it, you know, how, how much of an impact I guess did these guys have as coordinators and, and their philosophies yeah. and, and, and who's going to be replacing them. So I know uh, the Eagles quarterback coach, Brian Johnson is slated to become their new offensive coordinator. I haven't seen if they've hired a new defensive coordinator yet. Mm-hmm. Um, a QB coach is kind of interesting to be, the entire offensive coordinator. I don't know that he's had any experience doing that elsewhere. So could be interesting. But on the other side, he's going to be very familiar with Jalen Hurts. So could work out well for Hurts for fantasy. Yeah. And I mean, this happens every year where a team that does really well gets the Super Bowl or wins the Super Bowl has their coordinators plunder because they'll, you know, they'll end up going to be head coaches. And it, it makes an impact. Like, sometimes it's hard to rebound from that. So it will be interesting to see how this impacts the Eagles. I just, like, the Colts and Cardinals, both are kind of difficult situations. It will be interesting to see if they, those coaches make an impact. But I, I would imagine this is a more than, like, a year-plus long journey. Like, it's going to take a couple years for those franchises to get back on track. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And then we'll just have to wait and see, you know, can these guys hang on that long? Yeah. Um, Eric Bieniemy, 
the Kansas City Chiefs offensive coordinator has left the Chiefs to go and become the offensive coordinator for the Washington Commanders. Mm. And when this news first broke, I really didn't understand it because why would you want to, if you're going to be doing the same job either way, why would you leave the Super Bowl championship team to go to a terrible team? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, That's rebuilding, right? Um, But the more I thought about it is now he has a chance to prove that he can do it no matter what. Right. Mm. If, if he can turn the commander's offense around, then people can't just say it's because of Andy Reid. It's because of Patrick Mahomes. It's because of Travis Kelsey, you know, like he's working with Ron Rivera, who is an established, uh, an established head coach. But aside from that, like the Washington offense is nothing special right now. So if he can get them firing in all cylinders, cylinders and they do well, I would be very surprised if he doesn't end up as a head coach, even after one year, really. This this is just his way to say, like, I can do it no matter what. Hire me yeah. as the main guy. I mean, they need a quarterback. I yeah, really they do. They need a quarterback there personally, but I mean, we'll see. It's they... a long offseason. There's been some interesting quarterback maneuvering already. Well, they don't have Carson Wentz anymore. He has been no, released by the commanders. Carson, so. <laughs> yeah, not the only uh, uh, veteran, though, to get released. There's been quite a few. Yes, I don't know if we'll have time to get into all of them today. But, no, uh, probably not. Carson Wentz is gone from the commanders, so we'll see who uh, they end up with for next season. If they go with a draft pick, if they... Uh, if they stick with who they have already, or if they try to get a trade in. But uh, the Bills' defensive coordinator, Leslie Frazier, he's taking a year off football. Mm. So that will be another interesting one because Buffalo has a very strong defense. How much of it is because of Frazier? How much of it is just the players that they have? Um, But I guess the good thing for the long run is he, he did say he's only stepping away for the year and then planning to come back. So if things go off the rails, at least there's a potential cure a season after this one, you know, he should be back and can write the ship if things go sideways. Yeah. Um, but we'll try, we'll try and get in and talk about some of those, the quarterback moves before we run out of time here. So Derek Carr, like we speculated uh, on our last episode, he uh, was released. And like I had uh, mentioned before, you know, that the saints weren't working out and that it was potentially because he just said, screw you to the Raiders, I'm not helping you. Well, it it seems like that's exactly what happened because he has now signed a four-year, $150 million deal with the Saints. Yeah, and for the Saints, like, again, you know, Derek Carr has had his his ups and downs, but I, you know, I do think at the end of the day, he's still, he would be a top 15 quarterback. Um, And I think, the Saints needed some stability there, and now they've kind of found it. Like, they know who their quarterback's going to be. They can work with Carr for the next couple of years. Like, it totally makes sense. But there was clearly bad blood there. Because oh, if, 100%. The team, if, the, if that trade was going to go down anyway, he just cost the Raiders, like, assets coming back. Yeah, he, he just made it. He's the one who gets paid, and the Raiders get nothing. <laughs> yeah. Which, I mean, hey, I mean, that that is certainly is right, especially if it's been clear from the start that he's not going to be with the Raiders. Like, if, if if there is that bad blood there, then why would he help them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but also speaking of the Raiders, they have signed Jimmy Garoppolo to a three-year $67.5 million deal with $34 million guaranteed. Wow. So Carr out, 
He's 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 on his way to the Saints. Jimmy Garoppolo comes in at, from the 49ers to be your quarterback. I mean, yep. it's very interesting. Um, you know, if Garoppolo can stay healthy, he has proven himself to be a more than a capable quarterback. I don't, again, I, if the weapons aren't going to be the same, he's not, you know, he's not going to have the same time as, as he did in San Francisco, especially this year where all of the quarterbacks were successful because of the team they built around them. Um, this is an interesting move as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I would have, I would have been a lot more excited about it if they kept Darren Waller on the Raiders, because then right. he would have, he would have had the elite wide receiver with Devonte Adams an elite tight end with Darren Waller, or at least a tight end who can be elite. Um, and then Josh Jacobs has been franchise tag. So he's, they at least have some stability in the running game. Like he would have gone from one pretty well-rounded offense to another. And I think he could have done well with it. Now without Darren Waller, they're kind of missing a key piece. So I'm still excited about it. I think Jimmy Garoppolo can do fine. Uh, I, I just would have been a bit more excited with that extra piece in there. Yeah, that's, that makes sense. So, uh, like I just said, Josh Ra- uh, Jacobs has been franchise tagged by uh, the Raiders. Um, we did speak about it earlier. So, Saquon Barkley was franchise tagged by the Giants. It didn't look like that was going to happen because it was dependent on a deal being done with Daniel Jones. Um, because if a deal couldn't get done, they were going to franchise tag Jones, and then Saquon Barkley would have been free to sign wherever he wanted. But at the last minute, the Giants made a four-year, $160 million deal for Daniel Jones and then were able to use their franchise tag on uh, Saquon Barkley. So more of the same for New York for the next few years. We'll see about Barkley if he stays there after this season or not. I would say that's probably going to depend on how the season goes. If the Giants don't make the playoffs or like do really well, I would see Saquon Barkley leaving. I think if, if they're able to you know, round that corner and start actually doing well and getting back to being a contender, then he might stay. I mean, it all depends on the salary cap, obviously, but I think the motivation for him at least to stay there would be there. Yeah. I think, I think at, at the minimum, they've got to be a playoff team and be competitive in the playoffs. Like they, they have to be in that conversation all year and have another good year at minimum for him to even consider signing long-term or coming back beyond that beyond next year. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the Giants did also add Darren Waller. Like I said, they, uh, they sent the Raiders a 2023 third round draft pick for him. So we'll see if that uh, is enough to, I guess, give their offense a boost um, really quickly. Cause we're running out of time here. We'll talk about uh, Marcus Mariota was released by the Falcons, Matt Ryan released by the Colts. So a couple of, uh, veteran guys told to hit the road they might end up signing somewhere as backups or maybe they might get another shot as being a starter if a team's desperate enough we'll see um the seahawks agreed to a three-year 105 million dollar deal with geno smith so he did a good enough job last year proving he's worth keeping around and uh, the seahawks rewarded him for it and you know what good for geno because he was a backup for pretty much his entire career and he finally got a shot, and he delivered, and now he's he's getting paid for it. Yep, it's good to see him getting that opportunity, and I think that's good for the Seahawks. Their offense worked last year, so bring him back, see how it goes. 
Yep, exactly. Um, the Buccaneers signed <laughs> Baker Mayfield to a one-year deal. Eight million bucks. <laughs> yep. To uh, basically yeah. just <laughs> fill the Tom really Brady hole for one year. Yeah. Like that's really interesting to me because again, the Bucks have, when healthy, a really great receiving core. Like really solid, great, great receivers. Really powerful, excellent offense if they're healthy and at their best. Baker Mayfield is still competent and he showed, I guess enough um, with his brief stint with the Rams that they thought, okay, you know, his performance during the Nickelodeon splash zone game was good enough to, to bring him into the fold. So this, this is one I'm keeping my, I'm going to keep my eye on because Baker Mayfield, listen, I've drafted him and added him in, in many, many a time in my past and I might be doing it again. <laughs> Yep, that's fair. We'll see. See what he can pull off in this one-year deal here. Um, and the Dolphins uh, are picking up to his fifth-year option. So looks like they're going to keep leaning on him. It seemed like the majority of, I guess, the the hesitation on that was just for Tua's health. You know, like, was he yeah. going to be healthy enough to that they wanted to continue their investment in him, right? Yeah. Um, so it looks like they're getting something, some positive news, at least on the medical side of things. So that's great. And hopefully we don't hear, uh, we don't have anything like that happening to Tua or any player again this year. Um, but hopefully he can keep playing the rest of his career as long as he wants to, and he stays healthy. Um, but that is going to be it for this episode. We still have a lot of news to cover that we're going to go over next week, and I'm sure there'll be even more breaking news now. So, uh, you can, like Mike said, you can get us on social media at the website, or you can email us at contact.conqueryourdraft.com and uh, reach out to any fan questions that you have. Okay, guys, thanks for joining us today for a, a news filled episode, and we'll talk to you again next week. Stay safe. Mm-hmm.